So I tried to remove it. But it just stayed up. So rather than fighting it, I just put it back. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world. I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is January 24th, and as of today, we have 99,434,461 worldwide cases of COVID-19, with 2,132,373 deaths. And I got a great show for you this week. That's right. In The Devil's Advocate, we're going to be asking the question, are you offended by others' religiosity? In The Infernal Informant, a bit of an interaction with one of you, an audience member, first-hand account from a COVID-19 vaccine. And, if I can get to it, Romney on Trump impeachment, if we're going to have unity, there must be accountability. We're going to close it with an oldie but a goodie. I just saw it for the first time, and so that's why I want to talk about it. Into the wild. So we'll get into that. William, thanks so much for joining. Valeria, how are you, my dear? Good to see you. Jason, what up? Dragon Moon. I like the name. Do you have a dream catcher in your room right now? I just feel like with that type of name, it should have a dream catcher, right? Uh, dog, how you doing? All right. Anyone else who jumps in after the fact, uh, welcome. And if you have any questions or comments, put them up and uh, talk amongst yourselves <laughs> as I'm going on, all right? Um, I got something brewing. I got something like bubbling under the surface. Something that's going to be exciting, at least I think it is. Something that's going to be a lot of fun, at least I think it is. It's going to be really challenging to put together, but what the hell isn't. And I think you guys are going to enjoy it a lot. But I'm going to need your participation. I'm going to need your engagement, your interaction to really make this thing land. So, when I'm ready to announce it, please, because I'm not in social media, because I do not have my arms around online Satanists, as it were. I'm going to need you guys to share it and uh, promote it. Pimp it out for me. <laughs> when it's ready. It's not ready yet, so don't worry. Don't get all excited. Don't start sweating. There's no expectation. I'm just putting it out there. Um, Lazarus, what's up? Zachary, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Regular time. I am a little early. Sorry, people. I just I had nothing else going on. I just sat down after dinner, and I was like, oh, well, might as well do it. Uh, what's up, Gary? Okay, I don't really have anything to banter about before the show. I will tell you this. It's just sort of like a, a closure that I've been needing, right? So I uh, put together the obituary for my friend who passed away a couple, a, a week or so ago. Um, I think it's been two weeks now, geez. And it was just published in the paper, and I had to hunt around to find who the hell sold newspapers. I... No one sells newspapers anymore. There used to be these machines that just sort of sat outside of a store that you like popped a couple quarters in, you lifted up and pulled a paper out of. Like in my memory, that was a thing. Don't exist anymore. <laughs> like I, I went into a gas station. I was like, hey, do you guys have the 
Sunday paper? They're like, we don't, we don't sell newspapers. Like I was crazy for even asking if they had it. Like, is, is it, has it been that long? I thought this was a thing. It just happened. Oh, I guess not. All right. Um, Outlaw Films, what's up? All right, so uh, that was a really nice piece of closure for me. Being able to cut out the obituary of a friend, and like, I don't like scrapbook or anything, but I put the, you know, put it with all my other photos and photo albums or photo piles, if I'm being honest. So at least I have it. And I know that I did a little bit on my part to honor her memory, and like, it just, it feels kind of good. And this morning, I had this weird, okay, so... Back when I was, this is circa 1995 or 1996, um, a long time ago, I lived in this sort of like roach infested drug den. I know how exciting that sounds, but it was actually pretty miserable. Um, anyway, I lived there and she lived there as well in one of the other rooms. And in the middle of the night, um, some people were fighting as was actually a common occurrence, uh, and I had this distinct impression, I was dead asleep, uh, a distinct impression of someone climbing into bed with me and just, you know, being there like, uh, I just want to be here, I, I need to be protected by you. Um, and I was like, okay, Samantha, no big deal. And then I woke up and no one was there, but I distinctly remember that happening. And I went over and talked to her the next morning. I was like, did you climb in my bed? She's like, oh, my... I, I projected myself there, like astrally projected myself, but I never actually like left my room. I was just terrified by what was going on and I wanted to be in a safe space and I felt like that would be a safe space. I was like, huh, okay, um, that's a weird thing. Well, this morning, right when the newspaper was being uh, posted out, I felt the foot of my bed being nudged and kicked and I immediately remembered that moment um, and I opened my eyes and I didn't see anything, but I just kind of felt like, okay, you know, this is full circle. It's done. Like, it's done. It's kind of, I don't believe in like ghosts or anything like that, but I do like the idea of it. And I do think that, you know, there's some psychology that can, you know, make things happen um, if you need it to happen. And I think maybe I did. I needed a, a nice little uh, end cap to a journey or something, you know? I don't know how to describe it. But it was nice, regardless. Uh, Sean, how you doing? Thanks for joining live. Um, Alright, Rod, how you doing? Let's get into the Devil's Advocate. Let's do that. That'll be fun. image and we will get into it oh wait shit what image fuck we'll do this one <laughs> priests um all right i wanted i was i was thinking about this the other day because not only is there resonance with my own experience as a satanist in this topic uh, but i still see it on the regular like people getting upset over uh, the inauguration and 
our president putting his hand on an old Abrahamic tomb of fairy tales, uh, tome of fairy tales, and swearing, you know, to an invisible man. And, and people are like, why are we still doing rituals like this? Why is this even a thing anymore? Can't At this point, it's 2021. Can't we get past the Bronze Age fairy tales? Like, are, is it just entrenched forever? And I started thinking, like, uh, who gives a fuck? Why, why, why is anyone complaining about that ever? Like, why does it matter? If it's important to the people doing it, well, then by all means, do whatever makes you feel good in the moment to add a, a, an air of legitimacy to whatever experience you're having. You don't have to cater to the entire country or to the audience. You just have to cater to yourself in the moment uh, as the president swearing in or, you know, whatever. And then I started remembering, like when I was sworn in in the military, you know, they give you an out rather than saying, um, you, you can say I affirm rather than I swear. Or uh, if, you know, if it mentions God, you just don't say anything rather than mentioning God and stuff. And so, you know, the government tries to sort of give you an out if you really don't want to. And my dog tags in the military said no religion uh, because I wasn't quite sure how they would handle me telling them you know, on paper Satanist, even though I admitted to my entire unit in every unit I was a part of that I was a Satanist and I confronted um, uh, chaplains and stuff with it as well. So it's not like I hit it. I just didn't, I didn't, you know, wear the Miss America sash of Satanist. And so why does anyone ever care if someone else's religion is out there? And what I came up with this idea, certainly, you know, around the frame of Satanists, right? Um, for us, it's normal for others to be offended by our existence. Our very existence threatens other people. They fear. They, they become hostile and aggressive simply because we exist. And so in a vacuum, that's fucking retarded. That, that's in completely ridiculous. But that's normal for us because we live it. Right? That, that's, that's the normal life that we have. That's how we perceive reality. Whereas everyone else has their religion, who has a religion, and it's, it's just accepted. Like, oh, you're a, you're a Lutheran. Oh, okay, well, whatever. But for us, it's automatically this weird aggressive thing. And so we perceive religion very differently than most other people. And certainly Jews perceive it in a very different tone as well, because they They've literally been hunted down and murdered because of their religion, um, because of their ethnicity, because their ethnicity is tied up with their religion. Um, and so our perspectives are dramatically different than everyone else's. And so we have a different reaction when we see other religions being normalized and accepted, even when they perpetuate atrocious criminal behavior. It's still like, oh, well, but yeah, but it's Jesus. It's God. It's okay. Yeah, but they're raping children. Yeah, but it's God, so it's okay. It's insane. That's normal, right? That doesn't make any sense. And so when, when people hear about Satanists, again, it challenges their notion of what Satanism is because they've been fed lies their entire life about what the religion actually is. They never want to look into it because that's opening the door to the devil. And, you know, there's, it's, it's all fear and ignorance based um, and just spread by overt lies 
from other Abrahamic religions. Because let's be honest, the only way other religions can actually maintain followers is through fear and lies. That's how they do it. Don't ever look into anything else except for our religion because ours is the only true right one. If you ever do, you're no longer part of our religion. You're going to be cast to hell when you die. All right, calm down. Maybe question a few things. No, no, okay. Just hell if you question that. I guess I'll just sit in the pew, sing the song. That's how they live. So it's easy to understand why Satanists would learn to reciprocate the hate that we receive on the regular. Like on a daily basis, if you're exposed to it, certainly I was when I was younger, on a daily fucking basis, you're exposed to aggression, hostility, anger, and frustration. All the while, we're sharing in the frustration because they're not hearing what we're trying to tell them when we're trying to clarify their misconceptions. Uh, and so when we reflect on other religions and we see individuals pursuing their own religiosity in public, even though this is supposed to be a separation of church and state country, we challenge it. We call it out. And we see behavior being engaged by these supposedly religious people. And we're saying, well, clearly this religion is corrupt and evil and wrong because it's allowing people like this in it. And so what we're doing is equating an individual with or as the religion. But we would never do that for us, right? For our religion, oh, we are, we're, we're individuals. You know, Satanism is not every individual Satanist. Satanism is a religion that individuals connect with. It's not the totality of all Satanists. And certainly the behavior of an individual Satanist does not reflect on the totality of the religion. So why do we then project it onto other people and other religions? It's like we're lacking in perspective. Um, and so why should we be offended by the religious display of other individuals? And I think a lot of it comes down to um, jealousy. I think some of it does. Gen if you get offended when you see other people engage in religious behaviors, whether it's public prayers or corner speeches or whatever it is, if you get offended by that, I think it's because you're jealous that you can't do that or that it's normal for them to do it, but not normal if you tried to do it. You're jealous. And though I don't think there's anything wrong with the uh, sensation of jealousy, I think it can actually be a really positive driver in life. Um, and I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with it at all. It can lead you to counterproductive actions or thoughts. Again, as a Satanist, you're supposed to be driving toward whatever makes you the best version of you, not getting hung up on what other people are allowed to do. You're supposed to be focusing on you, not them, right? Um, and I think a lot of this has to do with first phase Satanism. When you first discover this amazing fucking religion, and you connect with it after you've read the Satanic Bible, and you look in the mirror and you say, I am a Satanist. And that first time you say, hail Satan. And it just feels good. It's just finally, you, you're here, you're alive. You, you know who you are now. Now, at least you have a starting point to realize your life, right? To, to realize the true potential through this religion that you've identified with. 
So of course you're going to want to share it with those that you love and care about or correct misconceptions that they may have. But again, it's counterproductive in nearly every single case. And so I think it's a flaw in us humans. Now, of course, we have billions and, and three. <laughs> That's the exact number, by the way. Billions and three flaws in us. And so it's just, you know, add one more onto the fire. But uh, I do think it's a genuine flaw. Like, we, we need to stop. And of course, Satanism doesn't proselytize. And so it's not like we go on street corners and we preach. And, you know, we don't want to because we're focused on us. We're not focused on spreading the word of the religion, as it were. But it is important for individuals to at least be seen in life, right? And certainly as first phasers, anecdotally, traditionally, again, you know, one size doesn't always fit all. We want to be recognized for what we actually are and not what you've been told we were. Because they are very different. And that's a normal sensation, but it is a flaw that we have to get past as Satanists. And we need to accept that for the vast majority of all humans on this planet, they will not ever accept the truth of the religion and or accept us. Period. So do not waste your time trying to convince people who don't want to hear it or who don't want to understand it, what Satanism is, or what you actually are. Simply because it's normal for other people does not mean it has to be normal for us. If anyone must understand the concept, or the flawed concept of equality, certainly it should be us. We understand that in nature, there's no such fucking thing. That's a human manufactured idea. Equality. So why do we then expect it in society? In the public eye why do we expect equality if christians can be on the state capitol then why can't satanists be at the state capitol why do you want to be there you're a satanist you're not supposed to be standing hand in hand with other religions you're supposed to be manipulating the world around you in whatever manner you'd like realizing your own goals Dominating the world, not kumbayaing it at a fucking prayer breakfast. These are flaws that you got to get over. Who cares what other religions do? Who cares whether it's okay for them to do it, but it's not okay for us? I don't want to be on the same stage. And I always get frustrated and, and a little bit pissed when I see panels of religious uh, uh representatives and then there's a satanist on board i may like the satanist that is on the panel but i don't like that they're there because if people actually wanted to know it's so fucking easy to find out the truth it is so painfully easy there are so many articles free online just a few keywords strokes away to find the truth if they really wanted it but they don't they just want to parade you around. Hey, look at the devil. Let's make him jump. Let's poke him a little bit with bullshit we know is bullshit and see how he reacts. Don't put yourself in that position. Don't play the game on their terms. We're the Satanists. We define the terms. It drives me nuts. And it drives me nuts when Satanists are complaining that there's too much God in society. There's too much God. Dude, 
Most people are religious, not because they feel they should be, but because they grew up around it. It's handed down to them. And certainly at the turn of the century, people aren't religious because they believe it. The founding fathers of this country, they understood ideas like God and they represented those ideas in writings. It didn't mean they literally meant God. It's just a way of speaking. That was the culture they grew up in. And so that was the culture they learned to communicate in. That's it. So we need to be able to see that. We cannot be forgetful of past orthodoxies and realize the reality that people were raised in and the reality that the world was set in and then complain that people are acting that way when they come out of it. That's how they fucking, they, they came out of the oven that way. That's just how they are. Look past it. Get beyond it. Don't be hung up on what other people are doing. And so here, here's, here's an example of what I would do, what I did do when I was in the military. <laughs> For whatever reason, every unit I was in, they had some, they, they loved their prayers. I mean, prayers before training missions, prayers before going out into the day. I mean, they did, it was just nonstop shitty fucking praying. And rather than like going up to the chain of command and complaining that they don't have me represented, I just stood the fuck back. Everyone else moved forward and put their hands together and bowed their head. And I defiantly raised my chin and boldly stared with contempt on them all as they huddled together. And I just stood back and watched the ridiculousness ensue. And that's it. Silent. <laughs> Overtly in contrast to what everyone else was doing, but I didn't make a spectacle. I didn't jump up and down and say, I want to be represented because I know the reality of the world that we live in. No one's going to accept us. No one's going to truly accept us. So why are we trying? Why do we want to be accepted? Just move on. Don't get hung up on this stuff. I see too many of you doing it. I say that. I don't actually see you. <laughs> this is all just me talking shit. All right, so there. That, that was this devil's advocate. What do you guys have to say? Um, let's see here. Mr. Victor Wicked, how you doing? Hey, Ruth. Thanks for joining live. Good to see you. Uh, let's see. You respect anyone's religion until they start to use it against you. Then we have a problem. Yes, and. <laughs> Absolutely. Unfortunately, when the majority of the world uses their religion to enact laws and justify illegal behaviors you got to play the game or just step aside and let the game go on without you like you know you can't always we can't always get our way um is this a god time to mention blanche barton's new book about the church of satan what is that coming out soon hold on not announcing a date until certain it's in production now okay so i knew it was in production or do you, I knew it was in the works. Do you mean production as in, like, print production? Because that's huge. That's exciting as hell. I love that. Mm. Okay. Okay. Yeah, everyone should pick up that copy. It's revised and expanded. It'll be fantastic. Oh, gosh. And if you never got the original Church of Satan book, you are missing out. It's great. I got it on the shelf back here. Really, really good. Okay, um... Let's see. Knowing better doesn't always mean feeling better about it. You're absolutely right, Mr. Victor Wicked. You're absolutely right. 
And here's the other thing. We don't have to accept the realities. We can be frustrated and justifiably angry about the realities, but, but we do have to accept that those are realities. We may not like it. We may not understand it or appreciate it or even play the game, but we have to accept that those are the rules being played, right? Um, our definitions of good and evil defined by each individual Satanist very much makes us our own island of a person which isn't always compatible with others. Yeah, I would, I would argue, William, that it's not compatible with anyone. <laughs> not even each other. If, if I had a... I love this fucking saying. It's so stupid. If I had a nickel for every time I met a Satanist who complained or who, who contrasted with another Satanist, I'd be a wealthy man. But it's true. Like, not even Satanists agree on what's good and evil. And that's good. <laughs> or is it evil? You never expect anyone else to understand you without a vested interest in your own being. The natural order of human civilization dictates yours and yours own come first. Here, here. Uh, and no, dog, no one reads the fact. It's freaking last questions. It's annoying. Uh, let's see. Great rant. Thanks, William. Anything else? If they're good slaves, they can't see you anyway. Yeah. Okay, nailing down the cover. Oh, sweet. Oh, I'm excited. That's going to be awesome. Group prayer is like seeing who the other bad guy is in Mafia. It gives us a chance to see if anyone else is interested enough to talk to in a situation. You mean by seeing who doesn't bow their heads? What I always love, because my family is really religious, um, they're Mormons. And so if I ever go to like a, a, a get-together or something, you know, like, food is involved they all pray beforehand and it's really funny to me to see all of the kids <laughs> they do this until their parents do that and then they look up and look around the room and they're looking at me and smiling and waving at me and i'm just like smiling and waving back because i don't i don't play that stupid game but i love that not even the kids play that game it's just it's all for the adults it's all for them. It's this weird form of masturbation. It's just, oh, this is really important to me. And so I'm going to make everyone I have power over for as long as I have power over them do what I like to do. Let's all pray. <laughs> so stupid. What are you going to do? Millions of devil nickels. That's right. Uh, the eyes looking at each other across the prayer circle. Heck yeah. Yeah, that's true. All right. Let's get into a little infernal format. soon all right hey here's something that i don't think anyone has talked at all about anywhere covid19 so this is a first-hand account of an experience getting the vaccine and uh, i thought it was interesting because it covers a lot when it was first announced last year that there was a vaccine well a couple different vaccines um, i was very very hesitant about getting it and now that you know about a month has been out there of uh, first responders getting it 
and seeing their reactions and stuff to it, I feel much more comfortable about getting it. And so I, I was reached out to by Jason M., uh, who is a listener, and uh, he is in the medical field. Uh, he's been in healthcare since 2005, first as an EMT for eight years, from 2010 to present in dialysis, as well as recently helping out in microbiology labs in a hospital. I'm being a little bit vague about him because I understand that, you know, people don't always want to be outed. Maybe in this time, in this moment of time, it's okay to out someone, you know, with their approval. But in the future, they may not want to be, and so I prefer just to err on the side of not giving full names and locations and stuff like that. So anyway, he's a healthcare professional and he started corresponding with me when he got scheduled to get his shot. And so day one, uh, he says, I pre-dosed with acetaminophen in anticipation of the headache, muscle, and joint pain. He checked his temperature throughout the day and no changes. At the end of the night, the muscle uh, he received the injection in was a little sore and that was gone the next morning, like any flu shot or any, any normal inoculation. Day two to four, nothing. Temperature remained within normal range. On occasion, he thought maybe a brief wave of lightheadedness or congestion, muscle and joint pain was going to start into something more, but it dissipated quickly and was more likely attributed to being old and working out twice in one week for the first time in a month. And I hope, Jason, that you're working out. That's for everyone out there. I'm not saying you need to you know, have like a five-hour-a-day routine of exercise, but you need to get exercise. You need... You need to uh, challenge those muscles in your body. It's really good for you, so please do yourself the favor. Uh, as mundane as this experience was after dose one, side effects are reported as being more severe after dose two, which he will receive in January 19. Again, I received this a while ago. Uh, it, uh, he'll give the same four days unless something happens right away and an update on how it went. But he also sent along a lot of really interesting information. Again, not just about um, this Pfizer medication, but about the vaccine as well. So I want to cover some of this before we go into his second shot. People have always fought against vaccination. And this is like a no duh, but we see it in culture right now. People saying they don't want to get this vaccine because of whatever irrational fear. When I was getting a haircut, my um, haircut lady, I say stylist, but she just cuts hair. So I don't, maybe that's a little too grand of a title. She was telling me that she has a lot of um, clients that come in that say they think people are going to get the vaccine in order to kill them off earlier. And not just from one person, like multiple people are coming in telling her that they're not going to get the vaccine because they think the government's doing it to kill people off so that there's fewer people. Now, I think that sounds insane, but that's the level of hysteria that can go into vaccines. The site combines, and so I have some links here that are going to be available in the show notes after the, after the show tomorrow. Uh, the site combines some basic anti-vax history that he's read on other sites. People have always fought against vaccines, including smallpox, diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis, deep TP, measles, mumps, and rubella, MMR, including, uh, included are completely fabricated, unproven illnesses, supposedly related to vaccines. And most notably, there was some bullshit report that the MMR caused autism. This has been debunked repeatedly, and the doctor involved lost his license. In addition, it came to light that he was hired by lawyers of parents of children with autism to make a connection so they could sue. There's more in-depth write-ups uh, and then some links here below as well. But this information persists two decades later, and many people still believe vaccines cause autism and use 
in their reasoning to not get any vaccines. So here's a few questions and answers. Can the government make you take the vaccine? Short answer is, yeah, technically. The 14th Amendment says it can't, right? Well, except the Supreme Court ruled against the plaintiff in Jacobson v. Massachusetts in 1905. Basically, the Supreme Court stated that a state's mandate was in the name of public health and safety and where every person is necessarily subjected for the common good. Would the government do it today? Well, probably not, primarily for the absolute hell it would cause. Besides, it's very likely that the current Supreme Court would probably break the 1905 precedent if pushed on it. So, can the government force us to quarantine? Well, clearly they can because they have. Both federal and state governments can mandate people quarantine. But I don't think that they're going to mandate the vaccine. I think people are going to ultimately want to get it in the same percentages, arguably, that people get the flu shot every year. Uh, that's my conjecture. But if everyone gets the vaccine, then why should I bother? Well, this is why. The success of most vaccines against serious disease is predicated on everyone getting the vaccine. An unvaccinated person is a wink link that a virus can use to take hold and infect those who can't get the vaccine. Uh, for example, due to allergies or among the small percentage of people the vaccine doesn't work for. If everyone is vaccinated, that makes the likelihood infinitesimal. Polio is a perfect example. It's caused uh, it's considered eradicated in the U.S. because everyone was vaccinated. Two of the three wild types viruses as they occur in nature, um, polio viruses in the world have been listed as eradicated because of the polio vaccine is freely given to everyone possible. But here's where people get confused. Polio, the disease, is gone in the U.S., but the polio virus still exists in the world. Wild type 1 has not been eradicated. All it would take is one infected person to enter the U.S. amongst a population of people who now refuse the vaccine because it's gone. A generation of non-vaccinated people would be freaking buffet for the polio virus. That's why it's so important that people get the vaccines. The stuff like this doesn't happen. So, what are the benefits of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine? In an ongoing clinical basis, the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine has been shown to prevent the COVID-19 following two doses given three weeks apart. The duration of protection against the COVID-19 is currently unknown. What are the risks of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine? Side effects that have been reported with the vaccine include injection site pain, tiredness, headache, muscle pain, chills, joint pain, fever, injection site swelling, injection site redness, nausea, feeling unwell, and swollen lymph nodes. There's a remote chance that the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine could cause a severe allergic reaction. A severe allergic reaction would usually occur within a few minutes to one hour after having gotten the dose. Uh, signs of the severe allergic reaction can include difficulty breathing, swelling in your face and throat, a fast heartbeat, a bad rash all over your body, dizziness and weakness. Now, if that's the worst and you're going to be around to be monitored by uh, medical technicians, if that's the worst, then there's no real negative. Like, not in my opinion. Now, I know uh, there are some people arguing that there have been deaths associated but I still think it's a little too early to, you know, quantify that claim. Uh, so January 18, Jason sends me this email. He'll give it the same in four days, then drop a line when they have side effects. Uh, more intense side effects are generally expected. Let's see. Of those that he knows have gotten the vaccine, who have gotten the second dose, most only complained of increased lethargy. One said that she had a fever. She had, uh, he had one co-worker who had dose one of the Moderna 
vaccine who had no side effects. There hasn't been a lot of new info released whether a vaccine person can transmit a vaccinated person can transmit the virus to others is still unknown, though a recent Israeli study shows that it might be possible. So you may be able to get the virus and have had the vaccine and not be affected by the virus, but you still may be able to transmit the virus to others. Uh, again, it's still going on. Uh, news uh, links are going to be in the notes here. He finds that this pertinent. Uh, he finds that this is pertinent because getting vaccinated generally makes it so you can't transmit a virus. So getting vaccinated helps yourself as well as everyone else around you. But if a vaccinated person can still transmit the virus, then the vaccine only benefits that person. If this is the case, then it would definitely reduce the advocacy for people getting vaccinated because if they chose not to, uh, he'll only be it'll only be their problem. So who cares? Okay, so this is from January twenty fourth today. Dose to, day two after dose two, there was some general lethargy that he experienced and it eased up as the day went on. For about 24 hour period, there was some mild gastrointestinal discomfort uh, from day two to three. He didn't experience, uh, what he experienced was not outside of the expected side effects. His were milder than generally stated by Pfizer. Coworkers that he has complained of headaches, one of fever, lethargy, joint and muscle pain for a few days. So nothing really all that exciting, which is good for him, but bad for the compelling storytelling that I'm trying to do here. Of course, this is how it's supposed to go. No huge side effects, right? So there is a recent instance in California where one lot of the Moderna vaccine gave six people severe reactions, which is an inordinate amount, particularly in one spot within one lot. The lot was temporarily set aside, but the investigation is done and the lot was okayed to be used again. So my consensus is as soon as it's available to me, I will be getting this vaccine and I'm not concerned at all about it. I've had to get tons of vaccinations in my military service. I get flu shots every single year. I go to the doctor um, every single year for a checkup. I, I'm regularly in tune with my medical care. So I am not concerned about this vaccine. And I would encourage you to look into the vaccine when you are able to get it and make an educated decision, not based on fear, but based on facts. So that's what I wanted to bring forward today. Thank you so much, Jason M., for giving me all this wonderful information and your personal experiences with this vaccine. I do genuinely appreciate it, and I think it's going to benefit others in their decision-making decision as well. Yeah, boring is good and safe, Victor. I agree. Uh, link in the description. Great name. After your first dose of the COVID-19 vaccine, you had typical side effects from getting the flu shot. You're fine now. Looking forward to getting your second. Good. That's good to hear. Israeli just closed the border and airports and such. Oof. Ugh. Ugh. It's World War Z here, people. Damn it. You're waiting for the onion to say they believe vaccinations caused autism is a sign of autism. <laughs> That's actually really funny. Um, gyms are closed. Got to do something. Yeah, I agree. So here's something that I, I think people use in as excuse that is not an excuse. And that is if you don't have access to weight equipment, then you cannot weight train. You can do body weight exercises and reach muscle failure doing them. Like it's like, seriously, it is very effective and you can do it in your home or in a hotel or anywhere. There are free exercise routines available on every single platform. So there's literally no excuse. You can be healthy and fit. You can. It is a choice you make whether you are. 
So I'll say about that. All right, let's do this next one. Oh, Romney, you sick son of a bitch. I hate this guy so much. Uh, my state too. Romney on Trump impeachment. If we're going to have unity, there must be accountability. Well, I agree with that. This is from foxnews.com. Senator Mitt Romney, Republican from Utah, expressed support for the upcoming, upcoming impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump, telling Fox News Sunday that a trial is needed to achieve truth and justice. Romney, who voted to convict Trump at his first impeachment, cited Trump's efforts to convince Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger to overturn the state's election results, as well as his call for a march on the U.S. Capitol at a January 6th rally immediately preceding the violent riot. Well, he says, we're certainly going to have a trial. I wish that weren't necessary, but the president's conduct with regards to the call to Secretary of State Raffensperger in Georgia, as well as with the incitation towards the insurrection that led to the attack on the Capitol, call for a trial, Romney said. And you know, if we're going to have unity in our country, I think it's important to recognize the need for accountability, for truth and justice. I'm going to double down on that for Lex Talionis. As Satanists, we should at least acknowledge that part of it, right? Romney said the House's articles of impeachment suggest impeachable conduct, but he acknowledged that he and his fellow senators have yet to hear arguments from the two sides. He says he will do his best as a senator, I'm sorry, as a Senate juror to apply justice as well as he can understand it. I, I'm so tired of hearing this whole two sides of an argument bullshit. It is just that. It's bullshit. Why do you need another side of an argument when we watched it on TV live? When we heard the recorded tapes? What's the other side going to say that's going to change the reality that we witnessed firsthand? You don't believe your lying eyes and ears? Like, what, what's the argument? What's the other side of that conversation? He was kidding? Because we've heard that argument. Uh, the Republican went on to slam Trump, not just for his words and actions in the months following the election, but for what he said led up to it, going back as far as his first impeachment. Quote, I think it's pretty clear that over the last year or so, there has been an effort to corrupt the election in the United States, Romney says. It was not by President Biden, it was by President Trump. That corruption we saw with regards to the conduct in Ukraine, as well as the call to the Secretary of State and the inciting uh, for the riot. Looking forward, Romney acknowledged that Trump will continue to have an influence on the Republican Party, but he pointed to new voices he believes could determine the direction the party goes in. He specifically mentions Maryland's Governor Larry Hogan, Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker, and Senators Ben Sass and Marco Rubio. Romney was critical of Biden as well. While the new president has called for unity, Romney says some of his executive actions during the first days of the administrations has been divisive. He thinks that there are some actions the president is taking that are going to lead to some anger and division, Romney said. I think, for instance, saying we're not going to allow further leases on government land for oil and gas, that obviously is very badly hurting our rural communities. Stopping the Keystone Pipeline, well, that puts a lot of people out of work. Those people are going to be understandably angry. Romney said Biden should be careful to not do things that incite a great deal of unnecessary anger. Well, let's put it on the other foot right if it was republicans passing these um laws like they executive orders like they said they were going to do when they were running and they won 
then Republicans would say, we have a clear mandate from the people who elected us to do what we said we were going to do. It is our job to do what the public put us into office to do. But when a Democrat does that, they say, you're being a little too divisive. You shouldn't do these things that you promised you would do. And then the majority of Americans elected you into office to do because it's going to be oh, hurtful to some people. Why are you still propping up a dying industry? Oil, natural gas, fossil fuels are not infinite. Those industries will inevitably go the way of the dodo. It's just reality. So we can either hang on to dear life to what we know is destroying our environment until it can no longer be done, or we can use a little common sense and say, hey, let's do something different and not poison ourselves. But Republicans, you fucking idiots, every chance you get, every chance you try to take things that you do and you champion yourselves for doing and shit on them when the Democrats do them. That's how hypocritical and hollow their ideas actually are. Fucking fools. Every single one of you. Oh, and yeah, Victor, and then the, the Democrats are great at one thing. And they have always been great at it. I think it's because they're paid to lose by their donors. But that's conjecture. Uh, they, Democrats are wonderful at wrestling defeat from victory. <laughs> they win an election and then they make themselves the loser to the losers. They become the slaves to the Republicans right now. They are kowtowing to what the Republicans in the Senate want when the Democrats actually are in control. What is wrong with you? <laughs> What is wrong with you? You were put into the majority, barely, but you were put into the majority because you promised $2,000 checks to everyone who voted for you. And so what do you do as soon as you get into office and you have the opportunity to do that? You lower the number. You put it off. You promise that you're going to hold this president to account, the former president now, to account, and now you're putting it off a couple weeks because that's what the Republicans want to do. You weren't put into office to do what Republicans want you to do. You were put into office to do what the majority of America wants you to do. You feckless losers. It drives me crazy. It's so obvious they're paid to lose. How could they not be paid to lose? How could they be this incompetent accidentally? <laughs> it's just, it's not feasible. <laughs> That's why I feel like <laughs> about it anyway. Um, any pipeline is rife with leaks and environmental catastrophe. Period. Every single one, it happens. And so I don't know why we're going to continue going down that road. Um, we just need to change. We have the technology. Solar technology is more affordable than ever. You can put all the people who are working in fossil fuel jobs into renewable energy jobs. Infrastructure building would not be that dramatically different. And they would have jobs. And it would help the environment. Where's the downside? I don't get it.
It doesn't make sense. It's crazy. That's the world we live in. All right, that's all we got for this uh, Infernal Informant. Let's close out the show with a little creature feature, shall we? Zach, we need a feckless sticker. I'm going to have to work on that, but I need more members because I can't add any more stickers. Sorry. I'm limited. It is weird that they tie the amount of um, like icons and stickers that you can provide to your members on YouTube with the amount of members that you have. I don't know. It's a weird reward for herd membership, I guess. It's kind of crazy. All right, Into the Wild. It, again, this is old, so I'm going to be spoiling it. If you haven't seen this, it came out in, uh, like, 2007. So if you haven't seen it now, like I hadn't before two days ago, then it's kind of your own fault. It's definitely worth the watch, though. It's really, really good. Okay, so Into the Wild. It has uh, 8.1 out of 10 on IMDb. Rotten Tomatoes has it at 83% certified fresh with an 89% audience score. The logline is as follows. After graduating from Emory University, top student and athlete Christopher McCandless abandons his possessions, gives his entire $24,000 savings account to charity, and hitchhikes to Alaska to live in the wilderness. Along the way, Christopher encounters a series of characters that help shape his life. This is a true story that uh, it was, let's see, in 2000 American... It was written, co-produced, and directed by Sean Penn. It's adapted from the 1996 nonfiction book of the same name, written by John Krakauer. It stars Emile Hirsch as Chris McCandless, and it grossed about $56 million worldwide. It was nominated for two Golden Globes and won the award for Best Original Song Guaranteed by Eddie Vedder. It's also nominated for two Academy Awards, Best Editing and Best Supporting Actor for Holbrook. Uh, and so for the character, as his supplies dwindled, he realized that nature is harsh... Okay, hold on. I gotta, I gotta prep my face for this. Because this is an actual note that was made that he realized. Alright, McCandless realized. Nature is harsh and uncaring. He realized that as he was dying. A grown man. You don't know that yet? Don't you learn that like the first time you fall off a bike or I don't know, you eat dirt and you puke or something like there are events in your life that should have happened before now that you realize that nature is harsh and uncaring. It's this weird idea that we're humans and we're put here by God to watch over the earth. So the earth owes us and should take care of us. This weird Christian notion that some people have. It's insanity is what it is. We're animals. Just one of many other animals. Most of which have actually died out on this rock that we're hurling through space on. <laughs> That's reality. And it takes this guy to die in Alaska to realize that nature is harsh and uncaring. 
kind of feel like you deserved it. I mean, it's rude to say, but it's true. If you didn't figure that out and you're in your mid-20s, you kind of deserve it. That's Darwinism, isn't it? I mean, come on. Okay, I'm not going to shit on this guy. It was actually a really good film. Um, he also says, Candlest concludes that true happiness can be found only when sharing with others, and he seeks to return from the wild to his friends and family. But unfortunately, he's, uh, he's literally caught on the other side of a wild river that he cannot cross. Uh, and so he's kind of trapped in Alaska, uh, where he starts making some really bad decisions. And uh, rather than examining in full detail what he's consuming from the plants and roots and stuff around him, he actually accidentally poisons himself and ends up dying. Like, that's literally how it ends. So, spoiler alert. <laughs> After I spoiled it. But I warned you. I, I gave you enough warning, right? Um, I, I completely agree with the notion that forms of happiness can only be experienced in connection with other humans. 100%. But I also truly believe, and it's it's shown in uh, by this character throughout the whole three, first three-fourths of this film, that true happiness can be experienced in isolation, in abject wonder of the natural environment. Like, there's, there's something genuinely, profoundly powerful about connecting with your environment and acknowledging its true majesty, just for what it is. Not because it owes you something, not because you are something important witnessing it, but just because it is. Just because life will always in some form exist, and we're proof of that, but to witness it exist on a rock hurling through space in the absence of other humans, it's beautiful. It's true happiness, right? To be able to witness that is happiness. So, you know, his thesis statement is that happiness must be shared in some cases. <laughs> yes, and, I'll say. So there's an act. Okay, let, let me go through the, the, the story here because it's actually pretty interesting. He comes from a privileged household, but a really terrible uh dynamic with the mother and father he learns that he and his sister were conceived as bastard children because his dad was actually married to another woman when he had the affair with their mom who he then left his original wife and married her and it was an abusive physically and emotionally abusive relationship that they witnessed all through growing up and so he was dramatically impacted by this and it made him just revile the idea of being with society and it, it started planting the seed that isolation from humanity was the only answer to true happiness for him at least and so that's what he was chasing he was chasing isolation and he didn't initially go up to alaska he actually um just started uh like going down south and he actually crossed the south border into mexico and then he came back up and went all the way up into alaska and he did like odd jobs and stuff but what's really great about this is not just those moments of him in isolation in the environment, which are really great, but his interaction with the other types of people that he meets. And it's something that I've been harping on here for a long time, and, and I, I know people think I'm all hippy-dippy when I say it. But most human beings are generally fairly decent people. <laughs> like, most people don't want to fucking cut your head off. 
you know, because of you're a different religion or something. On the individual basis, if you are in need, most people will help you. Not because of some, well, in some cases it's going to be because they think it's some greater good, but just because you're a human and they're a human. Like, it's just, it's a natural reaction, I think, to protect and propagate the species, right? If I saw any child in need, I will go out of my way to help that child because I, why not? I can, it's not going to hurt me and it's going to help them. So yeah, I'm going to do it. Why wouldn't I? Um, not because again, some greater good, just because that's how I want to, I don't know, that's how I want to act, you know? Um, and so meeting these people that are helping him and the genuine, um, the, the, the character of them, you know, like how they behave to each other and to him, uh, I think is, it's very, very interesting. And it echoes my own life experience with meeting randos, <laughs> other humans on this planet, you know? So it was just, it was really interesting seeing that. And then, uh, him meeting and, and breaking away from people and then re-meeting them in different places and reconnecting emotionally and, and finding this bond with other humans that only shared experience can give you. Uh, it was very, very interesting to watch. Uh, there were moments in this film near the end where I was starting to have these um, emotional reactions to the film. I, I don't know if it meant to uh, extract those emotions out of me as a film, but I had enough, <laughs> I have a, enough of a messed up mind anyway and just life experiences that when I see certain events happening, I just sort of connect with them and I emotionally react to them. And this film made me emotionally react. Like I was crying during some parts. Um, it was just a really powerful film up until that very end. Very end, I was just like, you stupid fuck. <laughs> but up until then, it's fantastic and I highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. It's called Into the Wild by Sean Penn. And uh, yeah, check it out. It's great. Oh, there's some aftermath I want to talk about before I close the show. So because of this, because of the sensation that this film and the book preceding it uh, put out there. Um, oh, so when he went into Alaska, he found something that he termed the magic bus. And that's where he stayed in his time in Alaska. Uh, the abandoning and decaying bus on the Stampede Trail where McCandless died became a pilgrimage destination for fans. It was located in Denali Borough, Alaska, 30 miles or 50 kilometers from the nearest town. The bus was taken to the remote trail in the 1940s by a road crew, according to Denali Borough's mayor, Clay Walker. Visitors to the site had to cross the dangerous Teklanica River in 2019. A newlywed Belarusian woman drowned trying to cross the swollen river on her way to the site. Another drowning took place in 2010. Five Italians were rescued in February 2020, just last year, with one suffering from severe frostbite and a stranded Brazilian had to be rescued in April 2020. In total, 15 bus-related search and rescue operations for visitors were carried out between 2009 and 2017. On June 18, 2020, the bus was removed due to public safety concerned, uh, concerns. It was airlifted by a U.S. Army Chinook helicopter to an undisclosed location pending a decision about its final destination. And on September 24, 2020, just a couple months ago, the Museum of the North at the University of Alaska Fairbanks announced it became the permanent home of McCandless's Magic Bus 142, where it will be restored 
and an outdoor exhibit will be created. So it inspired so many people, his death and being trapped there, that people repeated it and got trapped or died there too. Come on, that's Darwinism, right? That's just evolution, right? We, chaos of the universe, they couldn't handle it. And so, uh, see ya. They went the way of the dodo. Can't, it's good. I thought it was good anyway. All right. Um, yeah, that's going to do it for this episode of Nine Cents. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, you can always uh, view past episodes of any of the Satanic series I produce on ReverendCampbell.com. And if you want to support the shows, uh, sign up to the email list, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and like the video so that it can be promoted to other individuals who might find it of interest as well. Um, I guess that's it. If you want to learn more about Satanism and the Church of Satan, visit churchofsatan.com and read the Satanic Bible. And apparently we just found out that the Church of Satan reprint is imminent. I can't wait. Thank you, Ruth, for uh, dropping that bomb of knowledge on us. That's fantastic. Until next time, everyone. Until next week. Hail Satan. <laughs>